Gather round, circle up, fill the cup, spill the tea. Just believe, just believe the diamond dogs are here. And that means that you're not alone. We get one shot at this life. And heaven knows, heaven knows that we try, that we try. The diamond dogs are here. Okay, so welcome back to the Diamond Dogs podcast. We are so excited to dive into this week's episode because it is just such a great episode. One of our faves on so many levels. Oh, it's just so good. And there's a lot of really great topics to dive into from it. Lots of leadership lessons and um, just interesting things that happen. So let's get right into the recap. So the big event that happens this episode is that Ted's wife and his son come to visit, which is super sweet to see. But also there's just some some bad things for Ted that comes from that. Unfortunately, Michelle is not happy. And the episode actually ends with her telling him that that she's not happy and Ted letting her go, which is just a, I literally cried. It's the sweetest scene. I looked up the Mumford and Son song that plays at the end, sat on the the floor, laid on the floor and cried as I sang along with the words because it was sad. It's just Mumford and Sons. We can just, that will yeah. get you yeah, to cry. Yeah. Um, but then there are some other, obviously there's some, some things going on for the team as well. It's not just about Ted's personal life this time. This is an, an episode where you really see the dynamic of Jamie kind of being a showboat and not, not sharing passes with the team and, and really just continuing to be a problem. And Ted actually ends up benching him this episode and some really great things happen from that yes. for the team and they get their first win. So. That's, Love it. that's kind of the big picture of what's happened in this episode. Love it. And, uh, you know, as we, as we look through episode five, just a lot of giving and receiving of feedback. Yeah. That's definitely a theme that just like leaps off the page in this episode. And one of my favorites is, uh, in the beginning when Rebecca offers Keely a job uh, for this, but uh, no, sorry, before that, when they they're talking about the party and you know thanks for i think it was in this episode where she says she thanks her and she's like you know i was i've always been afraid to do that um something around being judgy and keely's like well that's all right you are you are judgy like just kind of like judgy <laughs> yeah like just like lays it right out there but we're not we're not gonna go you'll have to watch the scene where they have the conversation about giving uh the job because she says men give men jobs in the in the bathroom all the time and we'll just move on from there. Yeah, we'll just move um, on from there cuz it, the, it I will just dissolve into laughter. And it's you know, I think this is also one of those things where um I love the fact that Rebecca is on the lookout for um people that are in her direct uh universe that could be helpful in some way and I think I've been in in companies I I've been one of the people that companies bring in from outside because the the constant, consistent messages. It's only good if it comes from the outside, which I'm not going to lie. I like that because that helps my livelihood. <laughs> it but does now. It's of, not helpful when yes. you're in the, on the inside. Right. But a lot of... If, if you're in an organization that's like that and people are constantly being brought in from the outside and you feel like you're being overlooked, 
one of my most favorite quotes is from a, a man named T.D. Jakes that I heard at a leadership conference, and it was it was very simple, and it it literally changed the the path of my life. He said, "If you are a leader, whose permission are you waiting for to lead?" Yeah, and I, I was that. like, "Oh!" And I actually had a friend poke me in the back when that happened, um, as if to say, "Are you paying attention?" And I love that here, you know, Rebecca gives us to Keely, and. The other thing that let's just talk about this when when you are recognized by a leader to do something that makes you come alive, you get better at it, you get more excited about it, you grow in your confidence, and we are going to see that with Keely as this whole show just yeah. unfolds. Yeah, you know the thing I love about you know obviously we know what happens in season two because we've watched it already, but right. um, I love these glimpses that you get. Rebecca's underlying motivation is to take this team down, but she can't help. Every now and again, she's gosh darn it, she's going to be a good leader anyway, <laughs> because she really is. She just right. is masked in this, you know, kind of ulterior motive to take down her husband. But yeah. she's got the bones of a really great leader, and you still see her multiple times during season one. Just have these great moments, and that moment with Keely, I just love. She sees something in Keely. She empowers her to do um, something that maybe she didn't think she could do. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to see her really start to fly over the, the next. Well, and I, I love the part where Rebecca goes, what do you do again? And she goes, well, I'm, I'm kind of famous for almost being famous. famous. <laughs> and she goes, well, good luck with that. Maybe we could look at this as a plan B because, <laughs> you know, Rebecca's thinking yeah. that doesn't sound like that doesn't sound real. Yeah. Like, really. don't do that. Don't do that. Anyway. Yeah. We're super, super great. All right. What else, what else stands out to you from, from this one? I know there's, you know, I really, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to the part in the, so I'll say, I don't know if we've talked about this. I've, I've been in sales before. I've been a sales leader. I've worked with lots of sales leaders and very often you get these, the golden children, the golden child, right? They bring in the, the rainmaker, right? Yeah. And this person and it's usually one because an organization can't suffer more than one at a time usually, but sometimes there are a few, almost always in sales, who just roll over everyone else. And you're going to do it this way because this is what I want. And the, my favorite excuse, I'm using favorite in air quotes, is, well, this is the way I've always done it. You'll hear the sales leader say like, yeah. what do you mean we can't support this? We supported it at my old company. Well, you're not working at your old company anymore. And I just see so much of like, I'm just going to, you know, as a, as a sales leader who really just doesn't care about people relationships and just really cares about the bottom line, you throw the proverbial grenade to the other side of the fence with the sales and the service and the, or the service and the implementation team. And you just walk away and don't care about any of it. And rarely have I seen a leadership who recognizes that that is the dynamic and takes action and says, not doing it. And in this game, right, they're down two to nothing. Jamie scores both goals to bring them up. And, you know, he he literally is just out on the field celebrating himself, saying, me, 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 me. And he even asks Nate, he's like, what's he saying? He goes, he's saying, he's pointing at the name on the back of his jersey and saying me over and over. And they pan to the rest of the team. And I think this is so telling. They pan to the rest of the team. Because if you watch normal football games, after somebody scores a goal or in American football, a touchdown, the whole team like runs and jumps and gets really excited. Yeah. The whole team's kind of looking at him like, you're such an asshole. 
And Ted does something that is incredibly brave as a leader. And in fact, the entire place turns on him when he does it, starts screaming. They flash to the bar and the bar is like, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. It like becomes a chant, right? You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. And he benches Jamie and, you know, spoiler alert, they wind up running the play that they've been trying to run this whole time that Jamie couldn't execute because he was too self-centered and Roy winds up passing off to Sam for Sam to get the glory because he's wide open and he hits the goal and they win the game. And it's just a huge. And suddenly all the people who were yelling, you don't know what you're doing. We're like, oh, he's all right. Yeah. Well, it's, it always happens once you win. <laughs> right. And so I think that's just a, that's such a great example about how the momentum can shift, how when you make you make decisions as leader that you're convicted of. And, and, and that's, that to me is where like, I see Ted is like, he's not ruled by popular opinion or pressure. He's ruled by what is right. And for him in this situation, it's like, we may lose, but that's not what is the most important thing. Yeah. And I think the, this, this part of the, the episode really highlights something that is something I have talked about with leaders for a long time, which is, you know, as a leader, you have to be evaluating, giving feedback on performance. Sure. The, the, what matters, like, can they get the job done? That matters. Um, But the how matters too. (laughs) And the how in a lot of cases matters more. So are you doing that in a way that lets your team be able to rely on you? Are you doing that with integrity? Are you doing that in a way that reflects whatever company values you've ascribed to? And, you know, sure, Jamie's getting some goals, but man, the how is awful. And the, you know, moment on the field where basically what happens is uh, Sam, Sam gets a little injured on one of the plays. He's laying on the ground. Jamie is incredibly rude, just steps over him, doesn't stop to get, to check to on get him. the ball, right? Yeah, to get because the ball. he's going to take, he's going to take the penalty shot. So yeah. that's the most important thing. Yeah. Like just a real jerk, jerk maneuver. And Roy has this great leadership moment of, you know, his team captain saying, no, you go and you check on your teammate. You don't leave them on the ground. And of course, Jamie continues to be a jerk. And then Roy and Sam have this great moment where um, Sam says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling a lot better now. It's really, I'm not as hurt as <laughs> I thought I was. And now it just feels awkward because it's become this thing where Jamie is. And so Roy has some kind of milk it when he gets up so that he gets a lot of cheers from um, the fans. And it's a great, it's a great leadership moment too. Yeah. It's, it's, and such a turning point for everything that happens because, you know, Sam realizes that he has an ally uh, Jamie, of course, does what Jamie, you would expect Jamie to do. He, he doesn't even stay till the end of the game. They come into the locker room. He's gone. I love because it goes back to the thing from the, so we circle back in this episode to the beginning. And, you know, this is when Ted looks at his team in the locker room at halftime and he goes, all eyes on me when I say this. And he turns around and he slaps the believe, believe sign. sign. I know. I love that seed. And you, and so then they good. pan to the team and a couple of the team members are all, you know, cause he's pretty, he's usually pretty mild mannered, but this, he's like, so again, he has visions of what this team could be. He believes in the importance of belief and he's leading them in believing t- that they can be better than who they are and be better together as a team than they are as individuals. And they've endured four losses to this point. Yeah. So it's, it's to me, it, 
it, I love it because he digs back in. He's like, I believe, even though we're losing, I still believe that this is what it is. And, and ultimately the game, the game winds up being theirs, right? And it's their first win. Yet, even in the midst of the belief and the optimism and all that, his his marriage is is coming to an end, which is a tough, yeah, a tough piece. Yeah, that part of the show is just it it's just really heart-wrenching. I do want to talk about one of these great moments that happens in it though. Like there's, you know, that that's a a component of the show. That's just showing the human side of Ted. You know, there isn't Mm -hmm. anything great to dig into here as far as, you know, how, how leadership shows up. Although even just him choosing to do what's right for his wife, even though he's clearly still madly in love with her, that is so in alignment with exactly who you showed, you know, he shows up as every episode, but I love that moment where, you know, she gets in the car with her son to leave and Ted's standing there with this umbrella and he's just, you know, he, he's just devastated and he goes to sit down on the bench and literally the moment he does beard appears with two beers. Yeah. Like you don't even know he's been there. Like there wasn't any sort of conversation. Right. Beard is suddenly just there. He doesn't say anything. He just hands him a beer and sits next to him on this bench. And I love that. I love that scene because first, you know, Beard Beard know, knew exactly what he was going to do. Yeah. And that he was going to need a friend and yeah, such a great empathy moment. And I think that goes to, although it may be in a little bit of a different application than it was presented, but we also see in this, the first unofficial meeting of the Diamond Dogs I know in Ted's office, which is pretty cool. And they invite Higgins in, which is so funny because he's so awkward, like tries to boost himself up on the thing to like sit next to Nate and he can't get himself up there. And, you know, he talks about like being invited into the inner sanctum, which I, I just think, listen, leaders, people are watching. Who do you text? Who do you email? Who do you call? Who do you have lunch with? Who do you have dinner with? Who do you talk to outside? Like people are always watching. And clearly Higgins has been on the outside of this up until now. And it's a big deal. And so Higgins is talking about his 28 year marriage with five kids in a tiny house and a cat that's dying soon. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Ted's like, well, I I assume you've, you've had some tough times. And Higgins is like, did you not hear the five kids, (laughs) tiny house, dying cat bit? Like, (laughs) and they, you know, they have a good laugh, but one of my favorite quotes of this, and it goes right back to what you said about beard here at the end, he says, Higgins says, that's the thing though, isn't it? If you're with the right person, even the hard times are easy. And arguably one of the hardest times in Ted's life is right now is his wife is literally driving away and leaving him. And here's Beard, right? In the hard times, no words. He hands him, right? He hands him his pint. Uh, They they click it down on on the bench together and then, you know, clink glasses and take a drink. And it's just... It's clearly the right person in a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then that just, a great moment. yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I think my only other one that I want to talk about a little bit is be, is because I don't know about you. I've been with some organizations where they have, they've endeavored to take on some big challenges and they've done all the right things. They've, they've planned, they, they have committed resources. They've committed time. They have leaders who can lead it and they they head in a particular direction with efficiency, well-intentioned, all those things. And they get, let's say, 
two thirds of the way down the road and they realize that this thing that they set out on at the beginning isn't going to work the way that they thought or yeah. or maybe the market has shifted or something has changed along the way or they've just realized as they've gone along like we had this plan and we had this idea in mind but it's just it's not going to it's not going to go and i think there's some research out there and uh, if we have anybody listening who who knows maybe they could comment on this and let us know or beth maybe you know but i there there's some sort of a, a syndrome or something that happens when when you're in a situation like this and you're committed but things start going badly it is it is i don't want to say normal but maybe our a little bit like a default that we will double down yeah in the bad like even yeah. though we know that it's bad we're double it like we're not going to pull out yeah we become and, more fixed in our beliefs instead of like yes pulling up and making a different choice and yep. and it's and it's so bad <laughs> because a lot of times the folks who are you know on the proverbial boat right or the bus know that you're headed to a fiery disastrous end but nobody's willing to pull the plug and i really appreciated this perspective on quitting yeah or or giving up at the end where where ted and his wife are standing there in the rain and he's got tears in his eyes and so does she and he said i promised i'd never quit anything in my life and her response is you're not quitting you're just letting me go and she is in essence telling him like giving him permission to to be done but also not calling him a failure and i think that so many of us are so afraid of the the label or the stigma that's going to come with saying this isn't working or it didn't work yeah. or we thought that it was going to go this way and it didn't and now and and we're and by the way we're done we, we're pulling the plug this isn't working because the initial response is but we've spent all this money yeah i've never understood that we've spent all this money so let's spend more pouring it down a hole that's not going to produce anything let's cut losses now what are lessons learned what can we share with the organization to say we this I mean, can you imagine how much more powerful it would be to pull back and say, you know what? We thought that this was going to work, but it didn't. And here are the lessons that we learned. So we're going to yeah. try it again with these lessons in mind. That would give me far more confidence yeah. in leadership than somebody going, no, we're just, we're, you know, we're doubling down. We're putting it in high gear. We're, yeah. ugh. Glenn, and I don't, I don't know if you, Jason, or if our listeners listen to um, Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. It's a great one. If you, if you haven't checked it out before, I think it was actually the number one podcast in 2021. So you might have heard it, but she talks a lot about quitting and that as Americans, we've, <laughs> we've kind of given that word of a bad, you know, a bad connotation of, oh, if you quit something that, that somehow equals yeah. a moral failure in, in ways. And She's trying to normalize. No, quit things. If it doesn't feel, if it doesn't feel good, if if it's not working for you, quit it and try something else. Like it's quitting is good. She jokes, I quit something every day. <laughs> I make it my job every day to get up and care as much as I can care. And then awesome. I quit <laughs> and I start over again the next day. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's just a good, it's a good mental reframing of of being a little less hard on our on ourselves and each other when things don't go don't go the way we want them to. Yeah. And I think the other 
the other part, and we talked about this before we started recording, but I just love the quote of Rebecca. It, it just shows the comedic genius of the show and how well she delivers this part where he's sharing all about things with his wife, with Rebecca. And she says, so this sharing of feelings is because I opened to you at, opened up to you at the gala about my ex-husband. And he's like, oh yeah. And she's like, well, lesson learned. <laughs> It's real. It's fast. It happens fast. It's so funny. There's another great one that happens that we can't forget too. So uh, there's a scene where Ted has got out to get breakfast for his son and he brings him back a scone and the kid has never had a scone before. So he's like, what's this? And, and Ted says, it's a scone. It's like a muffin, but it sucks all the spit out of your mouth, <laughs> which just cracks me up. And then same scene, the kid then takes the scone and runs and Ted just like under his breath goes, man, some people's kids. <laughs> And it's yeah, his kid, which yeah. just, cra- I mean, cracks yeah. me up. You got to watch the show with the subtitles on because sometimes the humor yeah, it's goes very so subtle. fast and it's yeah. subtle and they don't like give you a pause sometimes even to process how funny right. something was. You have to really be paying attention because the show that's is like, so where that smart. whole acronym, if you know, you know, yeah. I-Y-K-Y-K, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, comes Absolutely. in because, yeah, it's good stuff. Absolutely. So now at this point, what we're going to do is Jason and I are going to dig in to some tips and tricks about giving feedback to people on your team. I know that there are a lot of leaders out there that have anxiety around feedback conversations. It can be something that's really challenging for folks to kind of work up the willingness to engage in those types of conversations. Yeah. And I know it's something I spend a ton of time with clients um, working on. And so we're just going to rattle off three or four things that might be helpful for you to think about. Right. Uh, one of the things I talk about and really recommend for people when it comes to feedback is you do a little bit of reflection before you start anything tactical on how do you feel about feedback conversations and why do you feel that way? So for a lot of people, so for, for myself, I can just speak to this. Jason and I have talked about before that I'm an Enneagram nine. Those are, um, you know, our nickname is the peacemaker. And in general, I'm incredibly conflict averse. I don't like it when people aren't getting along. I don't like hard conversations. If I can hide under a table somewhere, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. No um, fight club. No fight club. That is my motto. Like that super resonates with me. It makes me think that um, beard is a nine, but I, you know, I just, I struggle with it. And as a leader, when I was first stepping into leadership conversations, this is a muscle I had to flex and get more comfortable with having tough conversations with people. Um, it's a required skill. And so I've had to do this inner work myself. So one of the things I really recommend is again, just like digging into what makes you uncomfortable? Where do you feel it in your body? Like what happens to you when you have to have a feedback conversation and just like that pause of like five minutes, like trying to diagnose a little bit about why you feel the way that you do about feedback can be really helpful in you thinking through how do you prep for feedback conversations? So what I mean by that is not just logistically what you're going to say, mm-hmm but how you can change your internal state. So here's an example of this. I've done a lot of work with one of my coaching clients on feedback. And one of the things that we figured out um, is really helpful for her is just to get out some of her energy ahead of a feedback conversation because she gets kind of like jittery and anxious. So one of the things she started doing is she will build in time to take a quick walk 
ahead of the conversation so that she's just coming at it a little bit more neutrally. And that's something that's really helpful. So that's not about planning what you say, but it's planning how your body's going to feel while you're doing it. Which by the way, can be way more important sometimes than what you say, because your body language can betray you. Oh yeah. I mean, if you look nervous it and you look anxious first, that is absorbable by somebody else on the other side of the table. So they will both recognize that. And we tend to match energy. So that's exactly what's going to happen for the other person. So the more you can just get yourself to kind of a neutral, that can just be really, really helpful. So that's tip number one. And I would, I would say to go along with that, if you are somebody who is listening to Beth's tip and you think to yourself, I don't feel any way about feedback. Um, you need, that's also energy you bring, yeah. right? <laughs> so you could be saying some things that are really hard things to say with not much emotion around them or empathy. And that's going to speak a lot to the person that <laughs> you're speaking to. And maybe you have, you just kind of take it in stride. And so that's the energy you're bringing, but realize that that is often not the way that other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually like, just to pull back the curtain a little bit on my marriage, Matt will be thrilled. I'm going to talk about this. Yeah. Let's do that. So I'm a very, like I said, very conflict adverse. Matt's very conflict neutral, very feedback neutral feedback. What is is he on the Enneagram? Um, Enneagram is a little bit tricky with him. He's a C on disc. So he's very analytical. He's a software engineer. Um, process improvement is really important for him. So like feedback is just this is just how it's how we get right. better. So I'm just, I'm providing an information to you. Right. However, that is not my view, viewpoint, right? So like you can be as neutral as you want to be. I'm not neutral about whatever it is you're saying. I'm coming right. at it with a different lens. So over our years, we've <laughs> we have navigated that very different approach to feedback. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're not having the emotion, if the person on the other side right. isn't, doesn't have that same perspective. Totally agree with that. So one other thing that I would tip that I would say is, so I have an I actually have an exercise that I take people through. So I'll I'll just quickly um, explain it. I call it five by five plus one. So what you do is you choose five people in your tribe. You choose, um, and those people are going to give you five words. Four of the words that they give you will be things that you do well. Because here's the other thing I think we always think when we give feedback that it has to be negative. Like it always yeah. has to be something that people... So I guess that would be my my big overarching tip here is that... And, and I don't mean... And I'm sure people on the pod that are listening have heard this. I don't mean that you give feedback in a shit sandwich kind of way. Oh, You've let's heard, just... Right? Like, let's unpack let's, the shit sandwich real let's quick give, for sure. Let's give the positive and then the negative and then we want to end with the positive again, but it's a shit sandwich. And it's like... So so basically what you're telling me is that the positive like is just there to hopefully like make the, the negative part not be so bad. And that's yeah, not the point. That's not helpful. So a much better approach instead of doing that, like if you want to do some framing or if your instinct is to soften, which again, for a lot of us that struggle with feedback, that can be an instinctual thing that's there, frame it with intention instead of like fake positive. So I'm having this conversation with you because I really value you. You're making important conversation contributions to this team. And I know this is something that's standing in your way. Yep. Frame it up in a positive way every single time, but do not do a shit sandwich. That serves no one. Yes, 100%. So you 
so the way that this works is you get four words of things that you do well with context, like three or four sentences, right? Yeah. Um, of things that you do well, so they have an idea, and then one thing that that per that you, you're asking people to give you feedback on. So this is more self-driven, but uh, one thing that you can improve upon. And then the rule is you have to do this first for yourself before you ask anybody else. Because what I've learned in feedback, especially when we're asking for self-feedback, is that if other people don't write it down or say it, then we aren't always honest with ourselves on the way that that should be. So we're like, oh, well, nobody, nobody mentioned that thing. I know I suck at. So I'm not going to put it on the, on the feedback. Yeah. That doesn't serve you. So basically what happens when you do this is you have a list of 30 words, 24 positive, and it's overwhelmingly skewed to the positive side on purpose. But yet most people will go to the six words that are negative every single time. Um, and so that's why I do skew to the other side. So I'll, I'll leave it there for now. I'll just say, um, skew to the positive you should not be having a convert. You should not be having a feedback conversation and certainly not a first time ever feedback conversation when the overarching message is negative, because what you've just done is trained your person to say that whenever I give you feedback, it's negative. Yeah, absolutely. And part of that is, is it leads to my next tip, which is to the extent that you can make feedback, just part of your team culture. And what I mean by that is that you know, a great way to do that is to think about how are you building it into the systems of your team? So um, do you do feedback at staff meetings? Do you do feedback at one-on-ones? This is a lesson I absolutely learned from Carly Cope, who I've talked about before. She was my um, last leader um, at Community Health before I left. She's amazing. And this was one of the things I really admired about her. She didn't, it wasn't just um, lip service that we were going to give and receive a lot of feedback. She started every single staff meeting with us giving feedback to each other, which was always positive, by the way, public, you know, feedback should should always be positive. Right. And it was peer to peer, which is really, really powerful version of feedback. She would occasionally chime in with something, but it was much more driven peer to peer. And then in every one-on-one, we had kind of a template that we used And there was always a space at the bottom for feedback. And that was the spot where, okay, if we do have a couple of developmental things, we might dig into that there, but it would be a spot for positive and negative feedback to be shared. And that feedback was two-way. So that means that's also my opportunity as employee to give you feedback, boss, about something that might happen. Oh, that's so good. And that's just building it and normalizing it. Right. Yeah. So if you just get into the habit of feedback is just what we do, it makes us better. There's some really yep. great stats on there about, you know, high performing teams give five times more feedback yep. than low performing teams. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that stat. I'll double check it. And if I'm not, I'll put it in the show notes. I'm pretty sure it's five. Sounds times. good to me. I can, I can get um, on board with that. Yeah. So it, it's important. And, and the more you can make it a system, it normalizes it. And, and for those who might struggle with it, that just makes it easier. That's I, I love that because so often feedback typically is is one way. It's top down and it's usually not positive, right? Yeah. So I think those that's good. My tip number two is that we can all improve on something. Yes. Right. We we bristle at this idea of feedback, but how do you how do you learn and grow? And so let's go back to this five by five plus one exercise. What I see typically happen, because I do this with all of my coaching clients, 
and if I get involved in coaching situations with teams, I do this with them as well. You, it, it is rare that you have those six words of things that you can improve on that are six completely different things. So what I find is that those six... So I'll, I'll use one uh, coaching client as an example. He got six words, including the word he used for himself, of the thing that he could improve on, they were basically six words that all said the same thing. It was just somebody, it was a different way of, of explaining that thing. So it wasn't like he got this thing and it was like, oh, I've got six things that I have to work on. It was really one thing. And what was super cool about it is you had six different like mirrored perceptions of what that was. So you could see this one thing from all these different angles and it was so eye-opening because here's the thing. He already knew it about himself and put it down on his list anyway. And then everybody else basically validated that yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and what I'll, I'll use another example of somebody that I did this with. The guy goes, he was probably in his late 50s, early 60s. And we were sharing as a team on just generally the feedback we got back. And he goes, well, he goes, I got back the the same thing that's been on my list for 25 years. He goes, I guess it's time that I do something about it. <laughs> right. So again, it's just, yeah. it's it, if we're being honest with ourselves, it's not a surprise um, that that is the thing that we need to work on. And we all hear this leader, hear this. We all have something that we can get better at. Including all you. of us, including you. The the last one I would really encourage um, when it comes to feedback is to do some sort of preparation, not just from my my first tip, which you know, prepare your energy, your body, um, but also prepare like what what do you want the the takeaway to be? What do you want to say? How do you especially want to start the conversation? Because that can yep. be the hardest part. So what's the first thing that's going to come out of your mouth? And especially today in our Zoom driven world, you know, yep. where most most conversations like this are happening on Zoom instead of in person. If you have to even put some words on post-it notes and put them around your camera, no one will ever know that you have them there. And that will just kind of ground you in not letting whatever emotions end up coming up for you skew what comes out of your mouth. So the yes. more prepared you can be for that, yep. um, even say them out loud a couple of times to somebody that you trust and get some feedback on, how would you feel if I said those words? How'd that go? <laughs> How'd that right. feel when I said that? That can be really helpful. So if you have a great leader, you can do that practice with, or if you have a friend or a coach or someone in your life that you can run that by, I actually spend a lot of time with um, clients practicing feedback conversations <laughs> because yes. that is, there's just a, a lot of magic that comes from getting clear about the words. Words yeah. matter. Yes. And words will um, affect the effectiveness of that 100%. conversation for sure. And that it's so funny that we did this on the fly. And my last one that I want to share goes perfectly along with this. Mine would be this. Um, your your feedback needs to be timely. Oh, you bet. So let me give you an uh, example of, and I haven't talked much about this like out in the open. I've only done really one post, but I, for those of you who may follow along or who know my story, um, I did spend my summer this past summer of, of 2021, uh, working at the target warehouse on Saturdays and Sundays and Mondays. 
Uh, I was going to make something funny about like not telling you where it was, like, but they have a bullseye as their as their logo <laughs> or something. But anyway, now the cat is out. Yeah, of the bag. yeah, you said Target. So. so I was in the distribution center and was responsible during my twelve hour shifts, twelve from six a.m. to six p.m., literally picking thousands of pieces of freight to be sent to different stores. And there are times, so I'm on this this order picker and sometimes 50, 60 feet in the air by myself in a massive aisle that just literally has thousands and thousands of, of items in it. And the the lights are timed by motion. And literally because of where I was in a particular space in an aisle, the lights, the rest of the aisle, the rest of the lights would turn off except what was on my machine. So kind of dark. And um, I'd been there for about five weeks and I hear this this voice like, Jason, Jason. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, I'm looking around. And I look down and it's one of the shift managers uh, who they ride around on bikes and always carry computers with them. And so I'd been there for about five weeks and outside of training hadn't, this is, he's a good guy, but hadn't really had any feedback around anything. So I have no idea what's going on. So, you know, I press down, come down on the thing, turn my machine off, whatever. And, and he's got his computer and not prepared to tell me what he wanted to tell me. Hadn't chosen his words carefully. Hadn't thought about out like all those things, or maybe he did. It just didn't get executed well. So he's, he's looking at his computer. He goes, yeah, I, I, he's like, Hey, Jason. And I, I'm still like, I don't know what this is. Right. He does because he's, you know, he's there, but he's looking at his computer and he goes, Hey, I got some, uh, hold on just a second. He's like punching things on the screen. He's like, I got some things that, Oh, yep. That, yep. There it is. So I wanted to give you, and he uses the word feedback. So I want to give you some feedback. He said, um, so, uh, two weeks ago, Oh, geez. so there's the first problem mm-hmm. two weeks ago. It says that, um, in aisle, yep. There it is. Aisle 47. Uh, Ben 12, you, um, yep. 10 was, yeah. You were supposed to pick 10 bottles of Tide and you only picked a nine. And I'm just going to let that hang there for a minute because then you'll get an opportunity to feel what I was feeling (laughs) because that's all he said. And I'm like, and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, two weeks ago, aisle 47, bin 12 or whatever it was like, do you honestly think with the thousands of pieces of freight that I remember two weeks ago being in aisle 47 grabbing tide? And so that's going through my brain and he goes, and, and so I'm just kind of staring at him blankly, like, what the hell do you want me to do with this? And he goes, so, um, just, yeah, just remember, um, to double check your numbers so that, you know, if you've got 10, you're actually getting 10, not nine. Oh, geez. Will do boss. Will do. Literally. That's, I was like, (laughs) okay, like we done now. Can I get back to work? Cause by the way, like my production numbers are running this entire time. I'm standing here talking to you and I'm behind now. So it was just, and, and, and they, and so here's the, here's to me, the dichotomy of this, right? Somewhere in his, management checklist was a thing to give feedback to employees, right? So did I give feedback? Check. Yeah. Check the box. Yep. Feedback. Did that feedback mean anything to me? Have any impact on what I do? Encourage me in any way? No, no. Well, and is the bar that there's zero air ever? 
like in in the in I, good the, question. I don't know what you know the what bar I mean. Was. Like that right. that would have been a good framing of that conversation. Of you know, I <laughs> as a different type of human, I would see that error and you picked nine instead of 10. And I would think, oh, well, he had a human moment where he miscounted and I would move on with my life, right? Is the bar really? Or if you live in my ADHD brain, I'm like, sweet, I got nine, nine out, of 10, out of 10, not that's seven. That's good, right? <laughs> Could have been way worse than that. Yeah. You have no idea. I'm celebrating that. Right. Like, yeah, it's an interesting choice to give feedback in that moment to you. And I would, so I would just wrap this up by saying, if, if you are a leader listening to this and you need help giving feedback, you know that you need to do it, but maybe you're maybe you're just uncomfortable with it or you've tried it before and let's just be honest, you suck at it or it just doesn't come naturally because I don't think it comes naturally to many say, of us. Everybody sucks at it for a right. long time before they get better at it. Please, please reach out to us so that we can help you help your teams and because yeah. that's we have we've had so many um, examples of this and so much experience with this that we do know what works and what doesn't generally speaking and we can really help you start to normalize this and build a culture of feedback where you become to your point Beth a high performing team that yeah. shares feedback more and more than those who are not well performing teams yeah yeah love it yeah. All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to leave this episode. Thanks for listening. And if we can be of service, you know how to find us. Thanks for joining us for the Diamond Dogs podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. You can find us on Instagram at the Diamond Dogs podcast or wherever you like to listen.